in the beginning of my motherhood, I, I felt very guilty because I had my school and I had many festivals and travels already scheduled. And I remember crying a lot because I didn't want to give up. Whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance, welcome to the Ballet Dance Life podcast. Here, we are diving deep into all facets of ballet dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week, you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring, and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host, Jana Komornitska, and I'm honored that you are part of our dance tribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paladins Life podcast. Our today's guest, I don't even know if she really needs introduction, <laughs> because Esmeralda Colobon is literally one of the biggest names of the Baladin scene uh, today. Her unique style, her thoughtful teaching approach, and her very inspiring both workshops and performances really makes her name better than any introduction I can do. But I should mention that she has dedicated 20 years of her life to dance, to ballet dance. She was one of the youngest dancers to join the cast of La Maison de Artiste from Lebanon. And for 12 years, she danced in best hotels in North Africa and Middle East. Over her dance career, she traveled, teached, and performed in 32 countries all around the world. I am extremely happy to bring Esmeralda back to the podcast. And yes, we already had one interview for those who possibly missed it. Go back to episode number 13, because our today's conversation is going to be really different from what we talked before. And in previous episode, in episode 13, we talked about her style, her musicality, her story of her turban, <laughs> uh, fashion, and many more also very important and very interesting and inspiring topics. In our today's conversation, we are talking about hard truth of life and uh, combining real life, day-to-day -day realities of uh, what is happening, what needs to be done, what is uh, current priorities because they shift throughout our lifetime with uh, combining all, the, all this with ongoing dance career, which also has ups and downs, which also has development, and which also has shifting priorities from time to time. And I truly believe that this is one of the must-listen uh, interviews or episodes uh, for all dancers, regardless of uh, where exactly in your life stage you are. Obviously, probably from the title, you understood that we'll also talk a lot about uh, motherhood and combining being mom and being an active dancer. And I still think it's a must-listen interview, regardless if you're already mother, if you're not, if you're planning uh, to have children, or maybe not, but it's more than just about uh, having children. It's about 
our dance community and uh, relationship that we build with each other and we share with each other so after you listen to this episode if you feel a little bit inspired or encouraged or at least having some extra thoughts for you to think about i would really encourage you send to your friends send to someone who you think may need to hear it because sometimes just hearing someone else's story and just hearing something that we can relate to or think that oh we are not the only one struggling with this really can make a difference and really can help someone so make sure you do help someone to possibly find out about this very inspiring very open and uh, very brave conversation that our dear guest Esmeralda shared on the podcast on this note let's dive in really 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 happy to talk again to you Esmeralda welcome back to the podcast and so nice to hear see you and uh, I'm already so excited because I remember how much inspiration and cool stuff was on our previous interview so this conversation I'm really really happy we are doing it welcome welcome to the podcast (laughs) Thank you so much, Yana. I'm so happy to be back. It was amazing to participate for the first time, and I'm so honored to be back. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) And for everyone who possibly missed, go back. I will put a link to our first interview in the show notes. Uh, We talked in that interview so much about Esmeralda's experience uh, working on contract uh, in... in, um, Dubai uh, working uh, even you shared your story about your signature uh, headpiece <laughs> turbans indeed and, I did yeah and so 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 much more and about individuality and creating dance style and musicality so really cool and I'm pretty sure we are not gonna repeat today <laughs> the same but for everyone who miss and who want to hear more about Esmeralda's experience definitely go re-listen or listen for the first time if you missed the link will be in the show notes but one thing that I remember last time, we right away kind of jumped about to talk about your style and how you developed it and about all the, let's say, intricate dance things. But I forgot to ask question, how did everything actually started for you? Like, do you remember your first, very first encounter with ballet dance that you've thought like, ah, maybe I want to, to learn a couple moves? <laughs> I do, Yana. It's it's an unforgettable day for me. It was my 16th birthday. And since my family descends from Italians, so every birthday used to be in an Italian restaurant. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we all, we'll get her. Well, before, um, before it used to be, you know, small family parties, but then we upgraded to you know Italian restaurants and it was always very fun but when I was 16 I remember telling my mom well I'm 16 you know let's do something different I mean can we you know and she was like okay choose a different place then and at the time we used to sign up for a magazine that still exists here in Brazil that used to 
do like a top list of restaurants, you know, the best vegetarians, the best ethnics, the best Italians, things like that. And we found a Egyptian tea house with the name of Hanel Khalili that used to be very close to my home. I mean, it still is, but it's not a tea house anymore. It's just a school. And I said, okay, we could go to an Egyptian tea house. That would be fun. I don't know what we can eat, but that would be fun. And everybody, everyone agrees. Everybody agreed. And Egyptian tea house it was. So we were there sitting, you know, and tea and a lot of nice things to eat. We had cakes and so many things. And then lights went down and this song just started. And then I saw a belly dancer for the first time. Her name was, her name is Laina. She's still amazing. She's an amazing woman, amazing dancer. We're not so close, but I remember so well, the you know, my eyes just meeting her. You know, she entered in the room and started dancing beautifully. I was like, wow. At that time, I was a... Um, I was a jazz dancer. I started with ballet when I was four. So it was the first time that I saw anything like that, you know, so feminine at the same time, so free. This, the freedom, I, I could smell it, you know, the freedom. I was like, wow. And then I look at my mom and I said, mom, I want to do that. And she was like, oh, my God. Here we go. <laughs> sure. She was, I, I don't know, at that moment, I knew that something special was going on. And I think my mom knew it too, but she was kind of scared. Like, and she didn't want to. She was like, no, no way. No. I said, come on, let me try. Let me do one class, you know? And we had a neighborhood. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the right name for it, but it's like a neighborhood club like an association where people from the neighborhood goes to swim, to play basketball, football, things like that. You pay monthly. And she said, look, in this tea house in Khalil Khalili, at the time, it was very expensive to learn. You know, my mom, she couldn't afford it. So she said, go to the club, see if they have any belly dance, because we already pay monthly. So if they have, we don't have to pay anything for it. If you find belly dance classes there, then I'll, I'll be okay with it. I think that she thought I, would, I was not going to find anything. You know what I mean? And then when I got there, I found it. Yes! <laughs> I found it. And it was really interesting because I always loved, you know, a lot of, black um, makeup on my eyes, special, especially eyeliners. I always loved and, you know, the turban that comes for a long time. So when I arrived at the club, it used to have this long stairs. I don't know if it's still like this anymore. And I just bumped into a woman. She was coming out of the stairs that I, I supposed to enter. So uh, she looked at me and she was like, Oh, you're so beautiful. I'm so sorry. I said, no, me, I'm sorry. I was running, you know, sorry. She's like, you are very beautiful. Are you Arabic? And I said, no, but I'm looking for 
a belly dance teacher because I want to do belly dance. And she was like, no way, I'm the teacher from the club. <laughs> I'm not joking. It was exactly like this. It was exactly like this. And that's when I started belly dancing. <laughs> And so you're saying that you already used to have like a heavy makeup love to, to the eyeliners, like turbans, they came afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, um, actually, turb, uh, the, the turb, the fabric in my hair started when I was around six to seven years old because of my grandmother. But once I came to Sao Paulo, because I grew up in the countryside in a city called Rio Claro, called Rio Claro. And when I came to Sao Paulo, uh, that I, I got to, to be more involved in the in my mom's routine, you know, because I, I was living in the countryside with my grandparents and, you know, my mom, she, she used to wear makeup every day, which is something that I did not connect with. My grandmother, she was, she was not very into makeup, but she was very much into hair. So I got the, the hair routine from my grandmother and then the makeup from my mother. But she, my mom, my mom, she didn't, like me to go over her makeup <laughs> she didn't like that much so i remember when she first gave me one lipstick and one eyeliner that was my first makeup and i posted by the way i, I think last thursday i posted the a photo of my first belly dance uh my first dance my first belly dance uh presentation you know and i wrote that i was wearing eyeliner and a lipstick that that was the only makeup that I had ever so since it was the only thing I had I used to wear it a lot <laughs> so eyeliner was all over it. let's double the eyeliner I double the eyeliner <laughs> and the photos by the way really adorable I recommend everyone go and check Esmeralda's Instagram <laughs> feed you'll find it there thank you But it's so, so cool. So, yeah, you found uh, belly dance classes. <laughs> I did. Nothing could stop me and I did it. And um, how long did it take you from your first belly dance class to your first performance that you posted on your Instagram? I think it was a month. Some, uh... I, think, I think it was a month because in this same club, they used to do like Arabic dinners, you know, like this thematic dinners um so i remember once i started uh, lucia lucia nogueira is the name of my first teacher she said oh my god you're really good like you have you have a way to it you know we're, we're gonna have a thematic arabic dinner here in the club you could dance and i said i don't have i don't have dress for it i don't have clothes for it i don't have i don't even have money to buy a costume and she was like oh no it's okay i i, I borrow you mine So I she borrowed me her costume and I danced. <laughs> so nice. What do you was your mom's reaction on your first performance? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I didn't look at my mom when I was dancing because I was so nervous. I remember being so nervous, but when I when it was over, you know, we, we came back home and she was like You were really beautiful, honey. And I was like, thank you, mom. My mom, she's, um, she's a very tough woman. Um, she's very 
balanced and she's she, she don't show off much i mean whatever she's feeling you know she has an amazing life story and i understand why she's like that so it's really hard for my mom to tell me straight away like honey you did amazing you were so beautiful i i grew up my career all the phases, everything that I go through, I knew that I had my mom with me, but it was not on this very intense um, talk feeling, you know? It, it, it was not like that. She was never too open. I knew when she was worried. I know when she was happy. I, I, I knew when she was proud but she's, it's not her way, you know, to just tell me like this. So, and I remember in 2019 when I did 20 years of belly dance and I did a show here in Brazil, I, uh, I honored her in the end of the show. And I told that to people, I told that to everyone in the audience. I said, my mom is not really, you know, <laughs> a show off. She doesn't put her feelings out there, but I know. So, yeah. But but sometimes I catch her talking to people about me, which is really nice. So one time I remember someone came up to her and I was behind her. Uh it was a girl. We were in the festival and some and this girl told my mom, "Oh, your daughter is so amazing. I love her so much." And then my mom spoke about me in the third person. She was like, yes, Esmeralda is really fantastic. And I was behind her and I was like, my mom finds me ah. fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. And uh, yeah, we have all different ways of expressing emotions, but uh, also we need to... Well, it's just f cool to see and feel that support and just know it's there, even although it's not like, you know, expressed or being shout about, like you don't sometimes need to actually shout, shout about. And I remember even in our previous conversation, you were saying how much your mom was involved, even then you practice new um performance to a new song you very often kind of like showcase and ask her your opinion and it's so awesome to have her support on each step of your uh dance activities that's awesome <laughs> yes exactly and now you are mom yourself and yeah. uh three years ago when we had our first interview almost three years ago yeah uh, your daughter was very very young now she's a little bit older I'm still of course very <laughs> young but it's a little bit older how for you um this relationship now of being mom now almost like a mature mom we can say <laughs> and being a dancer um how does it feel like combining these two roles, especially from the point of view, how it felt like in the beginning, like, let's say, I don't know, like uh, three, four years ago. And now, like what, maybe, maybe it's the same, or maybe you have any changes, like what you kind of interpret and combine these two roles and maybe it somehow influenced your dancing too. Uh, you know, Yana, I think there is a huge change in this three years because 
we have a saying here in Brazil that goes, once a mother is born, uh, a guilty, a guilt comes with it. I'm not sure if I translated well, but <laughs> we say like this, once a mother is born, uh, there is a, there is a guilt also. Yes. You know? Guilt. Yeah. And, um, I was very, I felt very guilty in the beginning of my relationship with my daughter, you know, in, in my, in my, in the beginning of my motherhood, I, I felt very guilty because I had my school and I had many festivals and travels already scheduled. And I remember crying a lot because I didn't want to give up on my career, but at the same time, I didn't, I didn't want to be judged by people. You know, I didn't want to hear, Oh, you're going to leave your daughter to go and dance. I can't believe you're doing that. And I didn't know exactly what to do in long, long story short, what happened was my husband, who works uh, with um, with cars, uh, statics, you know, I don't know in English, but he works with cars, statics and stuff. And Katarina was about three weeks. I don't remember if I say so, uh, if I told you this story in the in the other no. podcast. I don't I, think so. I don't remember anything. She was around three weeks and my husband came back from work and I was cry I was devastated I was crying so much Katarina was sleeping I remember so well like it was yesterday I can look at my house and I can see ourselves in in the situation it was insane and he was like what's happening what's going on and I was like I can do this I cannot do it I'm giving up everything I'm closing the school I'm canceling all my uh, my festivals, you know, I'm canceling everything. I cannot do this. I can't. She, she demands a lot. I need to be here for her. You know, I, I can't, I just can't. And he said, you're going to be miserable. And I said, I know, but I prefer to be miserable than to deal with the judgment that will come if I decide to keep working. I was very new, you know, maybe mothers, uh, dancers slash mothers will hear this right now at this point and they will say, no, come on. But I was, you know, I was lost. It, it was, you know, three weeks of being a mother. I was completely lost. My, 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 psychological side was a mess and then two days later my husband came to me and he said I know what we're going to do I have an idea I said okay what's your idea he said I have a job a job that I can have at any moment you don't have a job you have a career that it takes a lot to maintain to to keep going, you know, it, it, you didn't start it yesterday. 
So it's easier for me to find another job than to you to rebuild a career. So this is what we're going to do. I'm quitting and I'm staying home. And you're going to do whatever you have to do to keep happy, to keep your career going. And we are not going to allow anyone to judge us on that. And I remember telling him, uh, you're crazy. This is not going <laughs> to work. And he was like, we can try. We can try. Let's try. You teach me what I have to do. We're going to schedule. We're going to organize everything, you know. And, and we did it. And we did it for 11 months, exactly 11 months. My husband was a stay-at-home dad. He did beautifully. Uh, he helped me so much. And when I needed to go to teach, to travel, he was 200% presence here. He used to video call me and send me videos of Katarina, you know, he documented every minute of her. So I didn't feel like I was not participating. And on her first birthday, we were, you know, singing happy birthday next to the cake. And I remember, uh, we did a photo and we look at each other. Katarina was in his arms. And we look at each other, we kissed each other, and I start crying. I told him, it's okay, honey. I can take it from here. You, you go back. I, I'm, I, I can do it now. I can handle now. So that was when he went back to work, and I had, you know, enough courage and confidence to, you know, move forward with her knowing that that I, I that I could do it that I could be a mom and a dancer at the same time but at first I needed so much what I, what he did was amazing oh wow first of all there's so much on my mind right now <laughs> first of all thank you for sharing the story and thank you for being like honest and open to talk about this secondly it is truly amazing story and this is the story that really proves that we don't as dancers as women we do not or any like part of the partnership, we do not need to sacrifice our own interest because our person will support us. And I'm right now like twisting it to all those dancers who are in the crossroad that their partners may not support them or may not like their dance career or may not like, no, it's just not your partners because your partner will do exactly what your husband did for you. And... Lastly, I'm so angry and so sad for the story that it even happened because it kind of feels that the most, like, let's say crazy monster in this story was this guilt that was put internally 
that it was guilt from judgment of other people and i would never ever imagine that such a brave and strong woman like you it may affect you know that was did. that was the most surprising like uh for me because it's one thing that you know sometimes we have guilt like for something from inside and then everyone else calls around like no it's okay it's okay it's okay but you still feel guilty for something but it's another thing that and you are like a dancer, a public person with so many years that probably dealt with so many things in your life and it still like gets, it's, I mean, one of the things that's also for people to hear that if you feel influenced, you're not alone, like even such, like, because you're like, even from your previous interview, people can hear, but I, I ha we had a little more communication. So I know how incredibly strong and, and brave and like, complete person that like you know who you are and it still gets to you like i mean got to that now point so that makes me angry that oh my god why we put this guilt into other people in judgment and at the same time incredibly like um sad that it, it's so spread and it happens so much that even such strong people like you like get you know like on the edge of quitting their careers yeah, Yana, it's, uh, I don't even know how to explain, but it's real and it's so strong. The guilt is real and it's so strong. And I remember thinking to myself, let me take advantage now that she's months, you know, she's a baby. I mean, she's still a baby. <laughs> she would be forever a baby to me, but she was months. And I was like, she would not remember if I travel or travel or, you know, she, it's fine. She she doesn't understand yet, you know. Um, and I remember traveling and crying so much. I remember crying so much and afraid of posting things on Internet because whatever I post, I remember receiving 40% of good things and 60% of but what is your daughter why you're not with your daughter oh who's wow. taking care of your daughter don't you miss your daughter how can you sleep without your daughter and I just had to ignore that I just I, I don't even answer and I remember one time a friend of mine said something that I I already read somewhere else but when she said when she said it to me, looking into my eyes, it was so strong. She said, look, happy parents raise happy kids. You choose to continue because you're going to be happy. And the choice that your husband made, he's happy with that. So it's all good. It's all sad, you know. And now, well, once she start, you know, she start understanding what I, you know, what I do, you know, she, I start showing her my photos and, uh, and she was like, she used to look at me and say, mama. And I said, yes. And then she pointed to a photo, you know, where, where I was all dressed up, full makeup on and was like, also mama. I said, yeah. So I start, you know, getting ready in front of her, even when I, when I don't have show or anything, just a free time. I remember telling her, 
let's get ready with mama. I will show you how mama get ready to work. And I started putting my makeup in front of her, my turban. There is also a video on, on Instagram where she helps me to put the turban on. And then I start questioning, will she ask me to stop? Will she cry when I travel now that she is kind of understanding what I do? And then I remember one day we, 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 was, we were in the airport. Me, my mother, my husband, and Katarina. And she looked at me and she was like, Mom, you're going to dance? I said, yeah, honey. She told me, okay, don't worry. I'll take care of that. And that moment, I don't know how to explain, but I cry so much in this moment because somehow I was like, she understood. She understood. She, you know, she's okay. She's okay. And, <laughs> and then things just, you know, I got so emotional talking about this because it was just natural, you know. She's so proud and she loves to look at my photos. She loves when I go to to work. She's proud of me and she takes, well, not now, but <laughs> when we could travel and go to the airport. I remember last time we went to the airport. It was January 2020. I went to Mexico and I was going, you know, inside the gate and she was like, go mommy, we're waiting for you. And I was like, I can't believe we did it. <laughs> we are in this point where she actually cheers for me. When I do lives here at home, she sits down together with her toys because she said she's my audience. You know, so this is priceless. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. And uh, I can say that... You, how old is your daughter now? She's going to be four in a four. month. So your four-year daughter is much smarter than 60% of those feedback messages that you received and people who send yeah. those messages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it is... And I always talk to her. I tell her how important it is. You know, I tell her how important it is to me and I know what is important to her. So I always try to show her, you know, that I am so happy when she's doing something that she loves and that we have to be happy when we see the people that we love doing what makes them happy too. So we try to have this conversation all along at the same time reminding her that she's an individual and that she can choose whatever makes her happy because she she receives a lot of oh are you going to be a dancer like your mom you know things I like imagine. that <laughs> yeah and we are always you know reminding her like you know you don't have to do that right whatever whatever you feel like whatever you feel happy it's okay. Yeah, but it's still like I kind of feel it's tragic that we all were kids, but when we grow up, unfortunately, many of us forget that usually, I mean, in a normal situations, that kids actually love their parents and they want to see them happy. They don't want to see them as their servants. 
They want to see, they would be happy to see their parents happy. And someone, not Absolutely. just mother, but like Esmeralda <laughs> in all, all your roles. But, uh, well, thank you still for sharing and sharing the story. It's, it's really uh, no, incredible. It's my pleasure. I'm happy we did. <laughs> I'm happy we did. I just want to say one thing. Uh, if, you, if you ask my daughter, for example, if she wants to be a dancer, you know, people goes like, do you want to be a dancer like your mom? You know what she answers? She goes like, I'm not my mom. I'm Katarina. Oh. <laughs> I think that's so cute. Yes, so it it. is. Yeah. It is so, so awesome. Well, we'll see in another, let's say, 10 years, probably already, <laughs> maybe some interest. <laughs> <It will happen. laughs> and it will be fun maybe for her to listen to this interview in 10 years or 20 years. What if she actually <laughs> goes into this What's path? her reaction? <laughs> We're going to yes. record Katarina's reaction to the podcast. <laughs> um well, uh, I know that also within last these three years, uh, there's other big changes. Actually, not three years even, but even last year, let's say, um, that really changed the landscape of our dance scene and world and our dance activities. So how was the beginning of lockdowns for you where did they caught you in which state of your dance activities do you remember yes uh lockdown was declared here in sao paulo on my birthday so i spent my birthday closing the school removing the plants because they would die if they stay there i had a lot of plants in my in my studio removing the plants and feeling a little lost, like locking down my baby and organizing with my husband what were the things that we should do right now. And I spent 16th to 17th, it was March 16th. And I remember spending the night planning, organizing a three months plan, financial plan, to what I was going to do, because somehow I knew that that year was not going to be what we expected to, you know? So the first 48 hours, I was on fire just by organizing ourselves to be safe. And then online, <laughs> the, onli the online experience that myself I never experienced before you know the online classes the online workshops this was not part of my life you know part of my life was social media that's it you know posting things here and there that was my online activity so I had to I had to learn how to do it and I I, I don't think it was hard I wouldn't say that. Oh, it was so hard to go online. I, I, I don't think so. Um, but what, what, in my opinion, was the most challenging was to keep my energy as higher as possible in order to really develop 
to, sorry, in order to really um, deliver what my students were lo- were waiting for. Because, you know, it was really difficult to measure what was happening with, you know, with the lives. So I, I was like, okay, I have all these students, all these women with different lives, different priorities, different problems. We're all locked down. And they are still investing in me to somehow change their day. So how am I going to manage my real life, my realness, my routine, my problems? And how am I going to balance and prepare myself to give them the best I can, you know, to, 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 really, make it, to really make it worth it? That was the challenge for me. Because some days, you know, we're... We're humans. I mean, some days it was so hard. And I decided, you know, throughout the, you know, day by day, I was learning. And at some point, I remember recording a video talking to them like, I think the best way to do this is being honest with all of you. So I am feeling horrible today but we are going to dance you know so honesty was the key all along and this this uh this point was gold to me because till till then i was you know working as always you know my private person in my home, my private person, my private life. And then once I cross, you know, once I leave my home to work, then it's my professional life. It's my professional posture. I try to keep things separated as much as I could uh, in my life, not only to, to protect myself, you know, I try not to take work home and vice versa. Um, but I got to a point where it was pointless because I was home. My baby was screaming. Sometimes the mask was all around. <laughs> Sometimes I was recording or giving a class and my washing machine was choo, 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 choo. So, and I was like, okay, things are mixed up. I, I, I cannot, I, I, had, I have to merge them with honesty. You know, and that was the key. That was the key. When I understood that, it was so much easier to keep going. And I noticed that for my students, they felt the same. Because once I started, you know, this, oh, this was the highest point of this week, ladies. Oh, this week, it was so low for me. This happened. And I started actually creating like small stand-ups in the middle of the class, just talking about my, my problems, which were there as well, you know, because I have moms. And so it, it was fun. And I start, I start transforming what I used to see as 
just normal. Oh, this is normal. This is normal. I start seeing as beautiful. I start seeing as art. I start seeing as a reason to laugh or a reason to share. So it was really cool, Yana. Yeah, that's so... Ah, so much things I can relate to and feel, and especially when we, our work is um, built on um, giving some emotions to people, because it is like people go to dance classes, uh, they want to receive from teacher not only physical skills, but it's first of all about emotions that they experience, how they feel. The same with social media. If people subscribe to someone or go to someone's social me feed, it's not about the person. It's about emotions that they receive from watching this feed. And uh, whenever times come, um, you still kind of feel like, oh, but I kind of have expectations that I need to deliver something positive but to deliver you first need to be in a specific mindset in a specific like you know mood and uh, personally for me till now like although like I started online things way before uh, lockdowns but during this last year there is a lot of pressure because everyone started doing zoom classes live zoom or skype but mostly like zoom and there's a lot of pressure and I still resist I do not want to commit because with these ups and downs like what if I schedule a class and then an hour before class something happened and I just emotional physical not in that space and um uh, I don't know, I still didn't cross that line of trying to be, like, fully open, because I kind of feel like, but I don't want to share and put my problems on other people. So for me, personal solution is, like, whenever I feel bad, I just disappear kind of from social media, which lately <laughs> lately was quite, quite, um, quite often, but... Uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's weird in this situation that... Um, I kind of admire almost like all those uh, social media bloggers who somehow manage either to maintain this high level of energy or pretend, but very nicely, because uh, some of them, like, I don't know if it's true or not, but I still feel fun and nice whenever I, I use your content and consume your content, so <laughs> good for you still, but it's tough, it is tough, and uh, people sometimes uh, forget that whoever, dancers, teachers know bloggers they're also human they also have many things going on behind that screen not only that class or that recording but you all may be watching right now on your computer or phone yeah yana you know i was thinking you know throughout this phase that we're living i start receiving a lot of feedbacks like Oh, Esmeralda, you change it so much. Uh, I see you as a real mother right now. I see you as uh, someone that I can reach. Uh, you're you're so real. I, I start getting this feedback. You're so real. You're so real. And and then I was questioning myself, like, yeah, I was always real. What what was not real? You know, I was questioning myself. What was I doing that People didn't see me as real. Why was I so uh, maybe perfect or plastic or I don't know. What what was it, you know? 
And then I start thinking about this um, this ballerina, this ballerina, this self, this self image, this uh, own style. That are things that we talk about so much and that we intensify so much. I start paying attention on dancers, on friends, students, how much they try to leave their woman, their self, their real self behind outside the class to create this persona, this ballerina that it's perfect, that has the right feeling in the right time with the right coats. And then I realized that what actually people started to see in me, because I allow them to, is my priorities. Because at some point you cannot, people actually, they start comparing the Esmeralda that first uh, started uh, to be famous around 2014, 2015. I mean, in Brazil, I people start seeing me more, you know, 2010, 2011. But wild, I start traveling around 2012. So 2014, I was kind of, you know, around. Uh, and they start comparing this Esmeralda with the Esmeralda today. And then I realized that was never my goal to hide the woman, the woman that I am. In 2014, I was not married. I didn't have my own house. I didn't have, I didn't have my, my baby. So routine priorities, they were completely different. So I was living the life that I was able to. And this life gave me more time to be like this and like that. And today I have a different life. I have more things to do. I have other priorities. And this will, of course, affect my dancer persona, my artist, my ballerina straight away. So we have, we have to remember that when we start dancing, we're not a we're not a blank paper. We're not an empty thing, you know. You cannot go to your dance class as an empty vase and okay, I'm just gonna invest in good things and be, you know, to create because right now I don't want my real life. I think that once I realized that what I was doing all the, all the time, I was always very faithful to my private life. So whatever my life allows me to do, I would do. And this affect my ballerina. And I, I realized that my colleagues, my students, women around me, they were not doing that. They were going into dance, escaping looking for escape, you know, I'm not generalizing, please, 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 I'm not doing that. I'm just, you know, sharing what I realize, you know, with people near me. And I start talking with people, it's, 
it's been, I think, this became really clear to me the last seven months, maybe. And I start talking about this with people. Do not leave your woman, your baggage, what, everything that you are, all the tears that you cry, all the victory that you have, do not leave outside the class because they are essential to create the power that you want in your dance. You have to have experience, you have to have maturity in order to achieve a, a, a bigger stage in art because art is life. Life is art, they are combined, they, mer they merge, you know? And once we start doing this, gets lighter, gets, gets easier. It's easier to say, I'm not okay today. But that will not stop me to do a great hip drop. I can still do a great hip drop, even though I'm feeling mm, not good, <laughs> you know? And this is what I told my, my students all the time. And I cry in front of them and I laugh in front of them and I make fun of myself in front of them. But five, six, seven, eight, when the combination starts, we're gonna do it. What was, uh, remind me please, what was the lozung of your school? It was discipline? It was expression, discipline and empowerment. Yes, and you're still and taking it online. We have, a, we have a little prayer now. We're um, since the beginning of quarantine, uh, we I did a little, I developed this little prayer that we do in the end of the class. We uh, get the hands together and we connect with each other. We close our eyes, take a deep breath, and I say, "Bless be all the people here with me." Blessed with expression so they can be comprehended. Blessed with discipline so they can work a better version of themselves. And blessed with empowerment so they can leave this moment better than the moment they walked in. Mm, so good. And it's so much. Uh, all those three qualities are not only in the prayer, but in the embodied in the actions of how you twisted your activities now in the online space even with what you're saying because it's this being disciplined to do no matter what but to do what needs to be done empowered to feel it's okay and expression not to hide what you really feel ah. There was one more concept that uh, we kind of chatted a little bit before we started interview, but I kind of, I cannot hide it from our listeners because it was so good what you said. It's about current situation with lockdowns that we are kind of isolated and our own. And you said the beautiful thing that now we need to consume ourselves, not yes. relying much on external whatever inspiration motivation etc can you expand a little bit more because it was so good and i kind of feel it's exactly what we i mean not exactly but very related to what we are talking right now uh and it can give a lot of thoughts and inspiration for people listening us right now yeah so when i saw myself in the lockdown when i saw myself a hundred percent living you know my private life inside of my apartment with my baby 
without having my skates, you know, the trips, the school, you know, I was, I was not receiving from outside. I couldn't, I couldn't explore the outside. I realized that everything that I had, everything that I, um, everything that I am and everything that I have so far is what is going to maintain me. It's going to keep me standing all the way until the end of this. I have to consume myself. I have to burn myself, you know, in order to keep going. Uh, and this, I mean, if we think about it, we have social media, we, we still can visit, you know, virtually places. We still can talk to people, which is amazing. We are right here, for example, we're exchanging. This is so, uh, I treasure this so much, but you're not living an experience. You're not there in person, living it, absorbing it. And it makes a lot of difference when, when you are. One thing is to be inside of the Louvre. Another thing is to be in your living room with the kid going on and visit the Louvre. It's not the same, you know? Why? You, you have the possibility to reach the same inf information, but not to leave the same experience. And as an artist, I, I was always in need of that. I rely on that so much in living the experience. This was part of my uh, of my content, you know. To, who knows me? Who uh, you know me? You've been to, to to my workshops. We get together. You know that I like to share my stories, my life stories, whatever I lived. So this was very important to me. What I lived, the experience I had, and now. It was every day, it is every day the same experience inside of my apartment with the same walls, with the same colors, everything is the same. So I have to reinvent myself. I have to consume myself. What it is, how can I double my memories and transform this into material that I can work, that I can create, that I can inspire? So it's making me rethink my own, my own history, my own life. Uh, I take my photos, my videos, I look at them and I see them in a different way today. It's not that I didn't value before, no, but it's just, it's bigger than anything right now. I learned how to remember the smells, uh, the noises, the colors, they look more vibrant. The exercise of, for example, telling my baby what that photo is about. So I start consuming myself in a positive way, you know? Not only my life become a daily TBT, you know what I mean? I had to TBT, I had to rewind. I'm not saying present moment, 
was is not enough. I'm not saying my present moment is not enough. I'm not saying this. But since my present moment is limiting me to, to experience more, I have to combine with what it was. You know, so I'm going to give you a very simple example. I, I was cleaning uh, some... Um, some furniture is here and I took this uh, keychain that I bought in Morocco when I was living there and my daughter she took the keychain she's like mom what is that it's such a nice shoe <laughs> and I was yeah that's from Morocco and I showed her in the map you know it's, it's here and she said but and she, I, I saw that she was confused and I said we live here and I point to Brazil but mom Long time ago, mom lived here, and that's where I bought the keychain, you know. And I started telling her, and I don't even, I didn't, I didn't know that I was able to remember the day that I bought the keychain, you know. <laughs> and in other, in other times, I wouldn't have the time, or maybe I wouldn't give the time to rewind and try to to re, to revisit the story, and I did. So it is, I believe that today it is about consuming ourselves and everything that we have, opening, opening the bag, the, the, the luggage, you know, you have this baggage, this luggage, you open, what do I have inside and what can I do with this? This is how I feel. <laughs> it's just interesting. Uh, um analogy because like you basically approach like consuming in terms like oh we talk about consuming content or consuming like i don't know sources of inspiration like going out now we are treating ourselves as one of those sources of inspiration and consuming ourselves and yes we do have social media we have internet but i was just thinking it's also it brings us very different emotions very often because one thing for instance we can go to a concert see another dancer let's say and she may take us on a journey with her. We may experience emotions, sadness, happiness, admiration, whatever it is. But we afterwards, we feel this, that we are filled, we are full, and we come with this emotion and we carry it in ourselves. Then the same concert can be streamed on uh, online on social media. We see someone's like little like video, dance video on, I don't know, Instagram or something. We still may feel adm admiration like towards this person, but internet, the screen, whenever we don't have this, let's say, group energy of, it's not just, like, I don't know, it's just physically not being present there, it very often brings us another emotion of start comparing ourselves with what we saw in the video and start feeling guilty. Oh, but I'm not doing this or I'm not good or I'm right now lazy on the sofa watching while someone is posting a video. It really puts, it's not just about getting inspiration from the, I don't know, concert or performance. It, it getting also a big load of many other things that we don't need. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. You said it. You said it, and I feel that. Some days I felt that so bad. But I can I, I cannot like I cannot change my reality right now. I, I cannot change where I am, but I can, I can change how I feel. 
you know? I, ca I, cannot, I cannot change my house, right? I, I don't want to change my house right now. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't want to change my routine. It's fine. I'm so blessed. But once I got to social media, sometimes <laughs> I, I feel like it's all wrong. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. You know, it, you just start wishing things that are so out of your range. You start wishing to feel, wishing to buy, wishing to be, wishing to, it's, it's, a, it's a storm. I, I feel that sometimes, depending on how much time I spend in social media, I feel like a storm. And sometimes I feel so wrong. Especially yeah, that we compare not just with one person, we compare with our whole feed <laughs> of a bunch of exactly. separate moments from different people, but it kind of feels like, oh my God, now I need to do all of that. <laughs> and, then, and then sometimes you see things and you start comparing and you go like, there is no way I reach that. There is no way I reach that. I, I don't I don't even know how to to close this uh, this uh, thinking like I feel that I'm still going to feel this I'm gonna still I, I will still experience this until the end of this uh, pandemic because we do work with social media we, we promote ourselves in social media um, I do search for inspiration in social media and I do find I connect with my friends. I cheer for them. This is the way that I can participate in, in the life of the people that I love. This is the only way right now. So I have to keep strong. I have to keep reminding myself what, who I am and how much do I have and how enough it is, you know, and be strong on these thoughts when I see things that are not for me or doesn't match me or it's not, I'm not able to reach right now. It's an exercise. It's well, I think, uh, the only way to kind of close this kind of feeling or to at least go through it is to keep being disciplined no matter what keep being expressed and let yourself allow yourself to express whatever it is and to feel empowered that it is okay whatever it is <laughs> absolutely people cannot People will not see our faces, but we are looking at each other right now with this huge smile. And yeah. To say the fact that we are talking before we start recording, we were chatting, like you said. And I have to describe, I have to share this with everyone that will hear this podcast. How happy I felt not only because I was about to, you know, record with you another uh, podcast, which is amazing. I already said how honored I felt and how much I adore your, your work and how you manage your career. But 
by looking at, even though it's my phone, we are in a, in a phone, but we start talking about life and eye to eye. And yes, I feel you. Yes. And you know, the shining, the, 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 the expression, the voice, you know, this, this presence that is not physical, but it's, it's so energetic and it's so strong. Like I have, you guys will hear our conversation, but we are looking at each other right now. I am looking into Yana's eyes right now. Well, she is in my kitchen and I'm in her room, I guess. Well, you're right now with me in Egypt. <laughs> and this is amazing. I feel, I, I feel I, I, I'm not alone. I'm with her because of the way she's looking at me, because of the, 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 the looking that we are exchanging, the, the posture, the everything. It's, it's incredible, really. I, I, I just had to share this with all of you. It's not just a recording of a podcast. Mm, and this is the connection that uh, we really miss these days like even at least like, but on the other hand how awesome actually to talk that yes social media yes technologies yes we before we were blaming them for all the good all the bad in our life but now it does let us do this can you imagine going through this kind of like situation without at least this opportunity to connect Imagine, or, I cannot imagine. Yeah, yeah. Or at least to, to you know, hear us uh, talking. And I'm really happy and honored for, like, everyone who... I'm in general very honored for everyone who participates in the interview. But especially during these times, because I know... I know even by, from myself, like, how it so often feels so down that you are so, like... What to talk, interview, to give something like, because we still like, okay, it's still a piece of social media. So we still feel like, oh, we need to give something useful to seem some inspiration. Like what interview an hour? Like I sometimes don't feel like I have anything to say on 15 second story, <laughs> you know, something positive and useful. <laughs> like, so I'm really grateful and thankful for like all the guests and like you well for you i'm very happy in general to see and talk to you but also like really thankful for everyone who agrees especially during this time to to just talk and this is open conversation so it may go very wrong directions and i mean not wrong but very different directions <laughs> but it may not always maintain this you know like all perfect polished persona that uh we kind of feel sometimes pressure to put out, but it kind of can go very honest and deep corners sometimes. So thank you so much for uh, being open and uh, being uh, with us. Uh, and uh, I mean, I'm very, very happy to, to see you and to talk to you. But I also know it's additional kind of pressure sometimes knowing that, oh, yeah, just chat about dance and life, but it's going to be published publicly, <laughs> put out there. <laughs> so thank you so much for, for agreeing and for spending your time with us. It's my pleasure, Yana. Thank you so much. Really, thank you for giving me this opportunity and to be to be here with you, to talk to you and to share as a friend and as a dancer. As
as possible. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, and on this note, we kind of logically <laughs> kind of feels like closing the uh, the conversation. But on this note, I also want to ask you, can you tell people where they can find your content? You're doing a lot of online stuff now. So what is in general, at least where they can sneak peek and to see more about your online classes and where they can follow your activities these days? So I have my website, www.danceesmeralda.com. You can uh, find the link to access the website in my Facebook and my Instagram. Normally, I am more act active in Instagram than Facebook. Um, but yeah, both of the social medias are my go-to to promote. And I have Zoom classes twice a week and pre-recorded classes. The pre-recorded classes are just in Portuguese, so I might not, um, it might not be suitable for English speakers, but I do have Zoom classes in English and all the details are on the website and on Instagram. Mm, that's awesome. And I definitely will put link in the show notes so all people can click there and find your social media and your website with all info, which I highly recommend to check and take a look and take the benefit of current lockdowns because all awesome artists all around the world start doing online classes and are available from any part of the world, which is whatever we talk about lockdown, but this is one of the coolest benefits and uh, we should definitely use it these days and i want to sum up our conversation with our traditional question and to be honest i'm sitting right now i was like okay i was preparing but i forgot to take a look if i asked you in our first interview it or not i think it was already existing our traditional question but it still will be good to see and interesting to hear you three years afterwards maybe it changed but the question is, what makes you fall in love with belly dance again and again so you keep doing it for so many years? Wow. <laughs> I don't think you asked me that. I think we developed it just shortly afterwards. It was almost for three years. I keep asking the same question for each interview, but I think it was developed a few months after beginning. <laughs> so I don't really, I was also thinking like, do I remember your answer? And I think I didn't ask it. <laughs> you know, Yana, I, to be really honest with you, when I, When I hear a note, a doom, <laughs> and when my body when my body responds to that, I don't know how to explain. I just I just feel alive. There is this reason that unfortunately I I don't know how to explain, but. Every time I dance in my living room for my baby, whatever, it doesn't need to be a big thing. But every time I dance in in this in in this Arabic vibes, in this melody, in this doom, every time I connect with that, there is this sensation of there is this fulfillment. It's almost like I it's almost like a life test that and the result is like your life 
you're alive. That's how I feel. I dance. I'm alive. And that just keeps me going and going and going. It's, it's, I'm sorry that I, I, I don't have, I don't feel that I have a beautiful and answer for that. It, it might look, I don't know, it might sound strange, but this is how I feel. Once I dance, all makes sense. Just makes sense. That's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guest because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.